The following podcast is an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota. You can find out more by visiting harvestrochester.org. I came to church to ask you this question, and I, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You ready? Have you ever been tempted? <laughs> stupid question, stupid answer, right? Duh. Right? But, uh, I mean, seriously, right? I think that's going to be really relevant to what we're talking about. Have you ever been tempted? Have you ever experienced temptation? So tempt means to entice or allure to do something often regarded as unwise, wrong, or immoral. Somebody enticing you, alluring you to do something that would be unwise, wrong, immoral. That's what temptation is. It's to attract, appeal strongly to, or invite, to put to test. And I would just say, this whole life has been that test. We live in a world where we are tempted. Have you been tempted this week? You're like, well, yeah, generally I've been tempted. I want you to get really specific with your temptations, right? Maybe even this morning you were tempted to do something unwise, to do something wrong, or even immoral in your actions or your thoughts. See, I I wouldn't say that without giving you an example. You know that, right? I, uh, I was tempted to overeat this week several times. That's unwise. I was tempted to think evil thoughts about things I saw this week, and that's wrong and impure. Tempted, tempted, tempted. What have you been tempted with this week? You have to have your own story. I got mine, but you got to have your own story. Wouldn't it be great, huh? Wouldn't it be great if uh, we could uh, get some help in our temptations? Wouldn't it be great if we had uh, a great helper? Right, so the title of the message today is Jesus, My Great Help. All right, Jesus, my great help from Hebrews chapter 2. Turn over there. You kind of knew that we were going to be there next since we left off there. Hebrews chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 18. I'm just going to give you what we studied last week. Um, Here's the reason why. Paul, you guys ever read an epistle by Paul? Paul writes like this, bam, 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 bam. It's like one thought after another, right? Complete thought, next thought. Complete thought, next thought. Complete thought, next thought. All right? And then you got Peter, who's like me. Sorry for all those who have to listen to me preach. Right? It's more like spaghetti. Right? I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's just kind of like everything intertwined, and it's all over the place, and there's no real complete thought, and I just thought about that, and okay, that's Peter. I'm like him. Sorry. But I'm trying to be more like this guy. What this guy does is something pretty unique. He brings both worlds together, and it's kind of like a chain, right? So he makes a chain. It's like one link, and he's been talking about Jesus, right? But he's talking about him greater than angels. And he's still kind of talking about that, but he's moved on to another subject called this great salvation. And he kind of like links them together, right? And he, he's not done with this thought, but he's on to the next thought, but he's finishing this thought. It's so smooth that you wouldn't even recognize it if I didn't point it out to you, right? And it's just like he keeps your attention through the whole thing as he moves on to the next thing and is on to the next thing. So we left off last week talking about this great salvation. We're going to talk about it again today, 
right? But there's another thing that we're going to be talking about, another chain in the link called humanity. That's us. We're in the Bible, and he's going to get to that too today. So here it is, verse 1, chapter 2, Hebrews. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Remember what that thought means? Lest we drift away. Remember what that thought means? Hold it. Hold it up here. Hold what's said. Hold what's done. Hold what you hear from Jesus, what you see in Jesus, up here. Don't let it out. Don't let it go out the back of your mind. Don't let it drift away, right? Don't let it slip by like a boat slips by a harbor. We talked about that last week. For since the message, that's the law, declared by angels, proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, that's reward, Judgment doesn't sound like a reward, seem like a reward, but there's a judge and he gives you first, second, third place, whatever. Um, in this case, he would give you the what's next, the great salvation or not. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? We don't want to neglect a great salvation. We don't want to let it drift by. He, you know, he's going to say later in his epistle, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Don't let it slip by. Grab it while you have it, right? So he's going to say that. It, that's the great salvation, was declared at first by the Lord, Jesus, and it was attested to us by those who heard, the disciples, and it keep, it, I'm, I'm attesting it to you today. I heard it. I'm passing on to you. You've heard it. You're going to pass it on to somebody else. That's discipleship. That's what we're all about. Make disciples. While God, and he's here today through the power of the Holy Spirit, also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Spirit, distributed according to his will. Remember all of that from last week. You have a gift. You need to use it for his glory. All right, now we get into our passage, and I want to just say this. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to read it once, and I'm going to ask you to highlight some stuff in your notes because it's kind of a confusing passage if you don't get some uh, interact. you got to read it like 50 times to get it, okay? So I did that for you. I'm going to give you what it is, and you just write it in your Bible, and then I'm going to read through it all again at once, okay? Do you understand? All right, good. So I love you, I'm your pastor, I want to teach you, I want to feed you. So for it, so since he's been talking about it, the great salvation, you think, well, it must be the great salvation. I would say yes, but uh, it's a little more confusing than that. For it was not to angels, great salvation wasn't to angels, that God was subject, the world to come. So now he's made great salvation, the world to come, like the same thing. Heaven and all that's going to come about, it's like equals, okay? So heaven, millennial kingdom, all that's going to come, life eternal equals great salvation, duh, equals rest, which he's going to talk about uh, in a few weeks, and all of this is the same thing. For it was not to angels that God subjected, what does subjected mean? Put under authority, right? Yeah, just like angels aren't in charge, okay? Of the world to come. Who's in charge of the world to come? Well, I'm going to let you know that. Who's in charge of the world to come? Of which we are speaking. What are we speaking about? That goes back to the great salvation. We're speaking about great salvation. So keep that in mind. It has been testified somewhere. It's interesting that he says somewhere there. I don't want to get too far off track because he doesn't want to get too far off track. But i got to say, lest you be like distracted by it. He doesn't say the psalmist. He doesn't say David. He doesn't say any of that because he's trying to say... The Word of God is important 
Because the Holy Spirit wrote it. Not because David or the psalmist, not because you can find it in Psalm 8, none of that. It's all important because this is God-breathed. And that's why he doesn't even say his name in the whole book. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. That's why. He's drawing attention only to God. He's trying to get everything off of man and on to God. It's an interesting thing. What is man? If you have, uh, every time I say man, son of man, him, 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 his, I want you to put it in brackets, like parentheses. Because every time, and then write in your Bible, humanity. Every time he says those words, he's talking about humanity. All of humanity, including our hero, the best man, because he was the God-man that ever lived on the earth, Jesus, okay? So he's talking about all of it. So when, when you see that, what is man, in parentheses, that you, that's God, divinity, are mindful of him? Him, in brackets, or the son of man, again, all of humanity, that you care for him? Again, in brackets, son of man and um, him. You, God, made him, in brackets, humanity, for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him, humanity, with glory and honor. You're like, I haven't seen that part yet. It hasn't come yet. right? You're like, glory and honor, when do I get that? When does all of humanity get that? That hasn't come yet. Okay, Um, Putting everything in subjection under his feet. You're like, I didn't get that either. I don't feel like everything's in subjection under my feet. But here's the deal. It once was. It once was. I'll show you that in a minute. And it's supposed to be. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, who's him in brackets? Humanity, right? You're like, what? He put everything in subjection to him? Yes, he did. Humanity. He left nothing outside of his control. You're like, what? His is who? Humanity. Everything was left in his, humanity's control, which is why we find ourselves in the, you're like, no, it's not. God's in control. Little nuance. He's talking about the world, right? He's, talk, he's not saying in heaven everything's under my control. He's saying in the world everything's under my control, which is why I find myself in the mess I find myself in. Because he put everything in Adam's control. If you would have met Adam, a little robot, a little, I love God, 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 I love God. I mean, that would have been awesome, because then I would be a little robot. But he gave him free will and free choice. And so that's why we're all screwed up. That stinks. He left it all in his control, man's control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. We don't see everything under humanity. We're supposed to, but we don't. This is where it gets really cool. But, but, you got to love the buts in the Bible. This one's awesome. Okay? But we see him. So you're ready to bracket that, right? And then you keep reading. Who for a little while was made lower than the angels. So he's telling someone's story. Namely, who is it? Jesus. First time he said that word in the book. In the, in the Hebrews. Like he's referenced this radiance, this glory, the Son of God, this ever, he's referenced him a ton of times. And all he provides through great salvation, but he's never said the name till now. Right? 
So people want to say, well, you know, this is a messianic psalm up here, Psalm 8, and it's all talking about Jesus. He's never said the name. He's never said it. So now you get it clearly. Namely, Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of, what does it say? Because of the suffering of death. Like, that's not really how I want to be crowned with glory and honor. I'm kind of thinking a different kind of crowning would be nice. Not a crown of thorns, but some kind of like really gold-looking crown with lots of jewels making me a millionaire. That would be awesome. No, God's awesome. He knows what it takes to buy you back. He knows what we did. He knows what it takes to buy us back. And so he did it. He didn't send an angel to do it. He didn't think, oh, you'll figure it out on your own. You'll figure out you got to die, Jeremy, for your family. And that's how you, and if you live a sinless life, they'll all be saved. That'd be great. No, no. He knew we couldn't figure it out. He himself, God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, right, came to earth to be sin for us, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's astounding what he did, suffering of death. You might underline that in your Bible. Those three words are really important. So that by the grace of God, this is God's grace, he might taste death for everyone. He might taste death. Taste, when we think of taste, what do we think of? I just have a little lick. And then I think of flap noodles, so I'm like, I'll just taste the ice cream. I don't taste the ice cream, I swallow it. You know, I like eat it up, scoops at a time, right? You all know my addiction there, okay? So, so I mean, that's what Jesus did. To taste means to experience, eat, come to know, to swallow. He ate it up. Whereas Adam just took the bait. Satan threw a little bait out and he just chomped on it and got hooked. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. no. I'm taking the whole thing, okay, and the line and the reel and the guy in the boat and the boat. I'm taking it all. You're all coming with me. Aren't you glad? Jesus like grips that thing. He's like, you're with me. Has he done that to your heart? Where he's just like, you're with me. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. Like that's the kind of swallow, the kind of taste we're talking about. All right, then he says, for it was fitting that he, that he there, just because there's been so many pronouns, it's like, well, is he humanity? No, no, no. That he there is God the Father, God the Son, divinity, for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, that's your part if you're a, a believer, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the, founder, the founder of salvation perfect through suffering. Just underline those three words again. Perfect through suffering. I love, I love how he says, we'll make the founder of our salvation, okay? We know that's Jesus, perfect through suffering. He's going to make him, the founder of our salvation, perfect through suffering. But who made the plan? God the Father, God the Son made the plan, right? So who's making who? He made the plan. He's making himself. He's saying, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to you. Just think about that. Who am I 
that you're mindful of me, that you care for me. This is what the psalmist is saying. He made the plan to come back. For he who sanctifies is God, and those who are sanctified all have one source. They're all together. They're unified. That is why he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them brothers. That's us. Saying, I will tell, that's Jesus. Jesus will tell of your name, that's God. I'm going to tell about myself, literally. (laughs) When I'm here on earth, I'm going to tell you about my character, God, my Father, okay? And to my brothers, to us, in the midst of the congregation, that's us, I will, that's Jesus, sing your praises. Who's your praises? God's praises. And again, I will put my trust, that's Jesus, in Him, God. You're like, why would Jesus have to put His trust in God? That doesn't make any sense. He is God. Because when He came to earth, He limited Himself, right? He humbled Himself. It was humiliating. It was, he suffered. Think about if you were perfect and you walked into this world and never sinned. How painful that would be. Like, well, it's pretty painful when I do sin. Yeah, but it'd be worse if you didn't. It'd be more painful to you if you had never sinned. It would be more of an affront, more distasteful, more everything, more hard. It would be like death to you being around all this. That's what it was for him. So he had to put his trust in the Father as he was on here on earth. And again, Behold, I, Jesus, and the children, that's us, God, the Father, has given me, Jesus. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood. Pinch your neighbor. Just pinch him. Yeah, oh yeah, that's flesh and blood right there. Yeah, that's the children. Since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise, that's Jesus, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things. Jesus took on flesh and blood. You could have pinched him. You, he would have been ouch. Right? I mean, because he took on the same thing we have. That through death, just underline that, through death, through death, he might destroy, I like this, the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death we're subject to lifelong slavery. You ever been scared to die? I mean, just think about it. I remember when I was scared to die, before I was saved for sure, and even after, honestly. Before I kind of got the whole thing, you know, sometimes you just accept Jesus Christ by faith, amen? And then you learn more about salvation, that salvation isn't just salvation. Salvation has like four parts. Salvation is like the file drawer. You pull it open, and then there's a bunch of files in there. You know what they are? Election. God chose you, right? Justification. There's a courtroom. You're guilty. If you accept the payment for your sin, the blood of Jesus Christ, what? Gavel down. I'm not guilty all of a sudden. Woo! I love that part. Justification. Then there's sanctification. What's sanctification? That's what you're going through right now is some guy is like talking, 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 talking. You're like, ah, oh, this is so hard, right? But I want to learn, so I'm going to keep listening. That's all the temptations you faced all week. Maybe you faced them here in this service. Maybe Satan said he doesn't know what he's talking about. The Word of God's not going to help you. You should be out in the sun basking. It's the first warm day, right? 
I mean, isn't that what we hear? And then there's the truth. The truth that the sanctification, that being here in church is really going to help you today. That saying no to temptation and saying yes to, I want to be like you, Jesus Christ, because I know what you look like now, and I can be more like you by your grace, through your Holy Spirit. That's sanctification, right? And then glorification. Someday you're going to die. And all that will be glory for me, right? If you know Jesus Christ, if all of those things are in the file drawer called salvation, that is salvation. When you get glorified, you'll be like, oh, I get it. So there was a time, even when I was saved, justified, working through my sanctification, that I was like still scared to die. Well, I got a kid. Well, I got a wife. What am I going to do? If I die, it'll be horrible. And I'm like, they don't need me. They need Jesus. And I don't necessarily want to die, but I don't necessarily want to stay, right? Because heaven's such a better place. So like Paul says, right? Whether I go or stay, I don't know. But for you, it's more needful that I stay, right? That's what he says. I'd rather go, but for you, I'll stay, right? For you, I'll stay. All of that to say salvation is bigger than And uh, so we sometimes get this whole fear thing, this whole fear of death and all of this slavery to uh, fear and death just wrapped around our head. If you're struggling with that today, I hope to set you free. Wouldn't you like to be set free of that? Even the fear of death? Like, I don't care. Kill me. I know where I'm going. Doesn't matter. Matter of fact, it's better. For surely... He's just going to reiterate his point, the first point at the beginning, right? So surely it is not to angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Who's that? Point to who that is. That's me, man. All things coming through Abraham. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers, that's us, in every respect. He had to be flesh and blood. He had to have uh, a choice, right? He had to have free will. He had to take on flesh and blood so that he, Jesus, might partake, excuse me, so he, Jesus, might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Merciful is his humanity part. He gets it. He knows what you know. He has what you have. He gets what you get, right? He's walked where you walk. Yet without sin, why? Because he's faithful. That's the God part. That's the divinity part. Even though he was here and had a free will, a choice, he could choose to do whatever he wanted to do. He chose, because of his nature, his faithfulness to himself, not to do anything that was outside of himself. Therefore, he didn't sin. Hopefully that makes a lot of sense to you. In service to God, he was serving God to make propitiation. That's payment to take away the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered, Jesus suffered when tempted. You might highlight that, suffered when tempted. So you got four times, I've asked you to highlight something, four times, four points. Suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You ever been tempted? Didn't, isn't that where I started? You ever been tempted? Who's able to help you? So if you've ever been tempted, who's able to help you? 
Jesus is able to help you. Jesus. How does Jesus help us? That's what I'm going to answer. So how does Jesus help me? How does Jesus help me? Go ahead, ask, ask your neighbor. Don't you want to know? You've said I'm tempted, right? You said I've got problems. You said sin's an issue. How, how's Jesus going to help me? Let me read the passage one more time. For it was not to angels that he subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man, that you are mindful of him, and the son of man, that you care for him? You have made him a little while lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control at present. We do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. It feels like we're a congregation right now. I will sing of your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood... He himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. I'm one of those all those. I hope that you are too. For surely it is not to angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. He helps us. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. He's able to help you. Don't you need help? I want some help. You're like, get on with it already. How does he help me? Come on, Cody. Come on, give it to me. Get on with it already. How does he help me? All right, here we go. So Jesus helps me. Here's four ways. One, Jesus conquered death. You couldn't do it. You're scared of it. But Jesus conquered death. We are in fear of death, right? Slaves to death. But Jesus conquered death. He helped you that way. You're like, well, it doesn't feel like it's conquered. This whole dominion thing you talked about, and that we're in dominion and all this, like it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, well, here it is, right? You ready for it? Here's the first org chart. You saw it in the scriptures. Here's the first org chart ever right? God, not close second, angels, we've been talking about that, right? 
Man, a little lower than the angels. And man's job was to what? Have dominion over the whole world. So when it says he puts everything under his control, what he's saying is not that he puts everything under his control. Do you get it? What he's saying is he puts everything under his control. Right here. Everything on the earth under man's control. And then man thought, I don't like my job description. I don't like my title. I don't like being in this company. I want to go to a different one. So what happened? Satan's like, I don't like it either, so let's just be together, right? Satan's like, I'll create my own company. Here it is. This is how it's going to go. Satan, death, sin. Do you get that? You're like, where am I? Where am I? I'm not even on the... Exactly. Satan doesn't care about you like God cares about you. You're not even on the org chart. Oh, yeah, you are. What does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, along with death and Satan. God's glory, somewhere on a different org chart. Not even on the same page. You get it? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then what? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're serving the wrong master. You're serving the wrong master. Do you get that? That's what's happening. And Jesus comes. He writes his name over that bad org chart. Right? He writes his name over the bad org chart. And he's like, hey, you're not here for this. You're not made for this. What did I make you for? Jesus conquered death so that I can be restored to dominion. I can be restored to dominion. I can get my rightful place back. I can get where I'm supposed to be, ruling the earth back. Like, when does that happen? <laughs> when Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, we're his brothers. We reign with him. Under him for sure. Don't get that wrong. Right? He restores us to dominion, not divinity. I think that's important. You might just want to write that in your notes. He restores us to dominion, not divinity. There's so many of these religions out there like, yeah, you're going to be a God. You're going to be God. You're not going to be God. There is one God. We serve one God, right? And he came. And he lived and he died. And he conquered death. Suffering of death. The suffering of death. By the grace of God that he might taste Death for everyone. He swallowed it up so that you can be restored. Do you need to be restored? Sometimes life rules our, us, doesn't it? Sometimes life rules us rather than us ruling life. Isn't that true? And temptation is Satan's plan to make that perpetual. Temptation is Satan's plan to make that thing keep happening, keep happening, keep happening. When you resist temptation through the power of God because he has defeated it, death is defeated, then you can go to your rightful place through the Spirit and you can live in Christ. That's helpful. That's helpful. Here's the second thing. Verses 10 through 13. Jesus embraced suffering so I can endure sanctification. Jesus embraced suffering. There's an experience here. Do you see the brotherhood? He talks about brothers. And there's this brotherhood that we have with Jesus. Why? Why are we brothers? Why does he call us brothers? Why does he say, I'm going to tell of your name, that's your nature and your character, 
to my brothers. God, I'm going to tell uh, everybody about you, Jesus says. I'm going to point to you. I'm going to say you're greater than me. I'm going to say you should trust in him. Why? Because he understands what suffering's like. He was made perfect through suffering. He took off his royal robes. He put on flesh and blood. Ouch! That hurt. You can't even comprehend that pain. You've sinned once and there was a lot of pain in it, right? Be sure your sin will find you out. And when it does, it gets gross and ugly and all of that, right? Especially the gravity of sin. And the payment is death. Can you imagine being perfect and throwing flesh on? Ugh. But now I want to be clear. He didn't throw flesh as in a sinful nature on. He threw flesh on like Adam and Eve threw flesh on. Right? No sin nature. Just a choice. The choice. Everything under his control. But he wouldn't deny his own nature or character. Don't you love that? So rather than going away from suffering because it's in his nature and character to love you, he embraced it. He's like, I'm doing it for you, Chad. I'm doing it for you. I'm embracing this. I'm embracing suffering and death for you. I love you. Just think about that because that's his character. He made you. He's not going to leave you stranded. He's not like Satan take you. He's like, I'm coming back for you. I'm going to grab hold of you. I love you. It's in my character to love you. But it's also in my character not to sin, to get it. I'm not going to sin to get it. He embraced suffering so that we can endure sanctification. We can endure it. That whole file drawer thing, every time something happens and I have to go through it, and isn't it a sanctifying process this whole life? Being a pastor is a sanctifying process. Being a husband is a sanctifying process. Being a man is a sanctifying process. You know? So if you're a woman, I know you're getting sanctified too. I've never been that, but I, I can kind of relate. Right? In some way, shape, or form, I get it because I'm human, right? So maybe you can get how Jesus relates as well. I can endure sanctification. How do we do it? He made such a big deal in the text about brothers and unity. How do you do it? How do you do it, Adam? I mean, how do you do it? Sin's so strong. It's so hard. It's so... Go be with your brothers, man. Go to small group and get under, uh, you know, the authority of a leader. But not only the authority of a leader, it's not about Adam leading the small group. It's about Adam and the rest of the small group going, I'm being sanctified. How about you? We want to run and hide. We want to run and hide when we get in sin, do we not? Can I get an amen on that? I mean, give me gravy. Yes, we do. And it's Satan's tricking you right now if you're thinking, no, I don't. Yeah, you, you do. What God's saying is, I didn't run and hide when I lost you, when you were out, out there. I came and got you, right? I came and got you. And what he's saying is, hey, you can go get each other. But you only go get each other if you know you're going away, right? So we got to be honest with each other. we got to say, I'm drifting right now. I'm not in the spot I want to be. I'm not in the spot I was in. And there's no condemnation for that. Nobody's thinking, man, what's wrong with you? We're not thinking that. We're thinking, tell me the truth so I can help you. Tell me what's really going on. 
oh man, the day I confessed pornography to my wife, it about crippled her. It about crippled her. Like I thought she she left me, and she had every right to do it, but she did what Christ did, right? She said, "I I get it. We're gonna work through this. You're gonna stop, right? All these different things." And you got through it together because you were honest with each other about where you were at. We know you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. There's only one perfect, Jesus. We know you're not perfect. So endure, endure sanctification. And you endure it by putting it out there in your small group and saying, here's where I'm really at. Help me get there. By the power of Jesus and with friends like you, help me get there. Right? Does that make sense? That, that's what we're going for here at Harvest. Don't need to run. You don't need to hide. He was the founder, the perfecter, the pioneer, the leader, the one who opened up the way for us to follow. And then this, third, real quick. This is one of my favorites. Jesus destroyed death. He destroyed Satan. He has the org chart, right? Satan first. He's like, I'll be, the, I'll be my own God. Yeah, good, good luck with that, Satan, right? He, he, didn't, he didn't want to stay where he's supposed to stay. And sometimes we don't either want to stay where we're supposed to stay. But Jesus destroyed Satan so I can be delivered from death. I mean, that's good news. I don't know what planet you live on, but that's good news on the planet I live on, right? That's good news, that Satan is a defeated enemy, So next time you're like, well, Satan made me do it. No, he didn't. You were drawn about. You were by your own lust, by your own temptation. Sure, he could ask, but you got to do it, right? You can go read James 1 on that. Read James 1. Read James 1. That'll really help you out. He destroyed Satan, and he delivered us from evil. He delivered us from death. He delivered us from fear. He delivered us from slavery. He delivered us. Satan was only uh, had death because he was the author of death, right? It says that in John 8, that he was the father of it, that he, he was the originator of it. He's the one that sinned first, and he's the one that owned death until Jesus came, right? And he said, done with this org chart, back to the other one. And he wrote his name over it, and he's like, anybody that wants out, just come through me. Come back to the real org chart, right? Come back to the first way. Come back to the way it's supposed to be. And then this last thing. Jesus, Jesus removed sin. Jesus removed sin so I can draw near to God. Jesus removed sin so that I can draw near to God. Jesus was sent to help us, not angels, verse 16. He was made a brother in every respect so that he could be a high priest who was merciful and faithful to offer atonement for us. Jesus died, his blood was spilled to pardon, to show mercy, to bring about forgiveness for, to take away the sins of the people. Bam! Just so glad I know, because some people don't know that. Some people suffer through temptation every day, all week long, and don't know they have help. But we have help. We have Jesus. And he has removed, taken away sin. It doesn't even exist to you. You don't have to. I know you want to. I know you have a sinful nature, but you don't have to. Matter of fact, if you try it, it works better. 
when you don't sin, right? Because then you're filled with the Holy Spirit and stuff happens that you're like, what? Right? And you're living for God. And it's crazy, awesome, good, fun. But until you've tried it, until you've tasted it, literally swallowed it, right? Take it. He's taken away sin so that you can draw near to God. There is nothing between you and God right now apart from your sin, which can be covered by the blood of Christ right now. There's nothing between you and him. You can have all confidence and draw near to him. Look over across the page at chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest. Chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest. Remember how I said he has chains? This is where he's going to complete this chain later, a couple chapters later. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, he gets it. He knows it. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's the powerful part. Let us then, what should we do then, Steve? What should we do? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It starts with finding grace. Have you found the grace that God has for you? You might be like, yeah, tempted, yep, sinner, yep. You talked about pornography, Uh uh-huh, all this stuff, gross sin in my life. Have you found the grace today? It's grace that I can stand up and even say that in front of you. Because I found grace. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that. Not glorifying my sin. Never going back. But not ashamed to say, I found grace. Get that? I found it. In Jesus Christ. I found grace. Have you received mercy yet? Have you received mercy? Do you feel the mercy God has for you? He's like, you don't get that, you get this. I love you. Woo, awesome. Then draw near. If you feel that grace and you feel that mercy, draw near. With complete confidence. Not confidence in your sin. Not confidence in your ability to never sin again. Confidence in Christ's ability to expunge any sin I would be falling into and I'm ready again to confess it. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I hope that this helps. I hope that these things help. Let me just read them for you again. Jesus conquered death so I can be restored to dominion. That's your rightful place. Get there. Jesus embraced suffering so that I can endure sanctification. That's what we need. To endure this life as long as it takes. Jesus destroyed Satan. Man, you guys are not into it today. I was expecting something crazy to go on right there. Jesus destroyed Satan. He, he did, okay? So, so I can be delivered from death. Woohoo! Okay? Jesus removed sin so I can draw near to God. That's what he did. So we're going to end our time with communion. I'm going to have the worship team come down. They're going to sing. We do need the Lord. We're going to sing it to him that we need it. 
And then when we pray, I'll close with just you are loved, and then I want you to take communion, right? I want you to remember, Jesus became flesh and blood for you. Why did he do that? So that he could die, okay? He partook of a different nature so that he would die and save you. Now you can partake of a different nature, the spirit nature, right? You can partake of the Holy Spirit, right? And we remember the body and blood of Christ, what he did so that we could be connected, so we could draw near to God, so we could have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's amazing. It's astounding. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful. You know, Jesus, you know, you came. You wouldn't wait. You wouldn't stop. Nothing would come between us. You care. Do I trust you, God? Do I trust you? These temptations, these struggles that I'm in right now, can you help me? Yes, you can. And we, we commit to it again this week. We commit to turning to you instead of anything else for satisfaction. We commit to turning to you and to finding our help because, Lord, we need you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.